What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bum. I'm your host, Keith Perkelhammer. So, on today's live stream, I welcome back Kenny Lynn from Pieces of the Ocean. Kenny, what's up, man? You were on a couple years ago. Hey, Keith. Yes, glad to be back. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. It was fun. Uh, Except for I didn't really know what the hell I was doing back then, so uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll both uh, be able. Hey man, you've come a long way. Congratulations, <laughs> you know. Um, I think okay. I think you were one of the first guests I had. Yes, yes, it was the early days. I don't remember exactly when. I, I was just going back and forth about what year, what month it was. Yeah, yeah. So, um, for those folks that don't know Kenny, he is the founder and CEO of Pieces of the Ocean Aquarium Shop in Staten Island, New York, that sells premium coral. With the, would you say an emphasis on SPS, Kenny? You know, um, I love SPS my, myself, but we we sell all kinds of corals. Okay. Um, I think I think I just noticed the SPS. Of, uh, I, that always catches my eye. But uh, yeah, you just, yeah, me too. But um, um, my my my. A couple of guys that work work for me, my, my partner, they, they, we all love SPS acros, and and we we dedicated um, more tanks for it than other corals. But you know, we get excited about all sorts of corals. Um, I hear you. Um, yeah. So Kenny's um, um, operational has a very big presence online. Piecesoftheocean.com. Go check them out. Uh, in Kenny's prior work life, he worked in the technology and advertising field. I was in advertising as well, so we have that in common there, Kenny. Um, but he has oh. been all in on this coral business since 2017. Is that right? Is that when you started this uh, Pieces of the Ocean? I quit my job in 2016. 2016. Yeah, I quit my full-time job in 2016. So <clears throat> this is really cool. <clears throat> um, his career switch was featured in the Wall Street Journal, and I'm showing the uh, the cover of that article right now. It's a great read. I recommend it. Uh, the, I, you can find the article by Googling it. Is it also on your website there, uh, Kenny? Uh, you know what? I should put it on the website. It's <laughs> you got to get on your website, man. <laughs> it's not. I had, yeah, I, 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 I should put it up there. Really cool. It's not. Yeah. All right. So but you can Google it and you can find it. Yeah. yeah, Google it. So um, before we get into uh, the conversation, I do want to thank the uh, sponsors for the show, both um, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate these companies supporting the show and i also appreciate all you folks tuning in i see a bunch of uh, familiar screen names out there don't forget to hit that like button so more people can uh, find the live stream and as always please um ask your questions or, or just comment in the uh, in the chat and we'll try to get to them always fun to have an interactive uh, show so um Kenny, man, how's it going? We, um, I think the last time I saw you might have been at uh, Reef of Palooza in New York last June, but um, yeah, it's it's kind of been a yeah, while. Yeah, I remember that you were holding a, you were actually doing your thing, uh, filming, you know, with your camera. Well, you know, it was, yes. you had a lot of eye candy there, so it was, uh, you know, I had to kind of oh, capture boy. that. Yeah, it was everywhere. Yes, you know, we, Adorcio, we we set up tables, we sell, but we were just. Ex we were just as excited to, to be there to, to sometimes buy and, and trade with vendors. You don't know what happened prior to the show start. We would just go between booths, you know, to trade with other vendors. Interesting. And it was it was a fun it was a it's a fun experience just 
yeah, before we really got busy because once we started selling, we couldn't leave the table really. So do you so, guys like um, reach out to other vendors before the show and kind of like, hey, what are you guys bringing? You know, do you kind of like some work, try to work out some deals beforehand or you're just kind of like, hey, we're going to be uh, walking the floor and, and seeing what we can. I don't know what we don't. I don't know what other people do, but what we would do, we look at we look at the, the, the floor plan and we try, oh, you know, who's there? Oh, last time, you know. We traded this. Let's see what, what you know. We kind of have an idea what everybody's bringing. Uh, everybody got their little niche, you know. Um, so we would, you know, we had a good experience. We go trade with them. Or sometimes we just you know let's 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 hit this booth up. Let's hit that booth up, and you know, we were just you know hobbyists at heart still. And 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 at the same time, it's, it's a show where we look to uh, widen our selections. Uh, you know, we all know that everyone's looking for something that's that's different. We can't we can't be constantly selling the same thing on on auction. So we're always trying to look for other you know stuff that we don't have. We try to include that into our grow out, into our plan to grow and stuff like that. So. David Water says, "I love Poto. They have great corals and great service." And and Nano Jill picked up a rain, rainbow eight cans from Poto last year at Rap New York. So uh, hey, thank you, thank you very much, guys. Yeah, you guys gonna be uh, back at Rap again uh, in June. Yes, we will be. All right, man. I'll see you then. Yeah, see you. Yeah, every year. It's in our backyard. We have to be there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, all right, man. I, I talked about this um, career switch of yours, and, and uh, yeah. you and I do have that sort of thing in common. We're both sort of like in the uh, the advertising business. What um, what was behind that in terms of, you know, making a switch from the business world, you know, uh, advertising technology to, to this um, – reef keeping world right i mean it was obviously a hobby for you but um what um what was kind of like the the um the reasoning behind that switch and and what was your vision for poto that's a good question you know um you know a lot of people ask me that question in different format but never really asked me the way you asked me i think it was a combination of things uh from uh the way I was brought up. Uh, I always have that little entrepreneurial, you know, spirit in me. But everybody says they, they have that. Uh, but I think it's it's about leaving a, having a legacy. And at that time, in my day job, I was making things. Uh, but at the end of the day, that things was given away and didn't bear my my name or, or anything like that. So I wanted to have something where, you know, my I could have a legacy on. It. And then one of the things having build your own thing with your name on it. Um, so it just so happened I was into the hobby. I was passionate about it, and with a, with a little bit of a naive, you know, sense of like, hey, you know, you know how much money, how expensive this hobby is, right? So I was spending tons of money on it. Like, <laughs> I was look, my my job at the time was not was you know was paying pretty well for 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 my time for my age, but I I. I couldn't save any money. All my money went to corals. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, if I'm spending all this money, who was, who was making all this money, you know? So a little bit, I think everybody has that kind of mentality, you know, when they spend money, you know, someone's got to make it. So I, I just want, you know what, let me start out with me trying to sell some frags, you know, try to break even, you know, um, and then as a, and then start going to shows. And Manhattan Reeves was one of the first show I went to. Actually, it was the first show I, 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 I sold at Manhattan Reeves at Pratt and uh, at Page University, I, I think, um, you know, give a shout out to Mark, give a shout out to Reefs.com. They, they, they started out this local show that was really well uh, run at the time. Yep. And, and I went and, and just, you know, um, 
didn't know how it went, how I would do, but people apparently liked the frags I was selling, and I, I thought there was something to it. So in my back of my mind, I, I thought, you know, my job sucks. Uh, you know, this job rocks. Why not, right? Um, but I think the timing was important because at that time I did not have. I was I was I was not married. I didn't have a family. Didn't have a baggage, and um, I was ready. I was able to go all in. I think it was today. I have a family. I have two kids. I, I I got too much, you know, to risk. I wouldn't be able to to, to go all in on it. Um, but it's, 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 it's the thing about, I, I think if you read an article, one of the questions was that, um, would I regret not doing this, uh, lying on my deathbed, you know, a little, little dramatic, but I, I said, yes, you know, that's really what drove me to it. Having a legacy, not having any regret. And, you know, at the same time, having a great support system around me. Um, you know, that's important too. Uh, my wife sacrificed a lot, you know, you know. So, uh, do Ben Lim. I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, hopefully. Um, question is, um, I always daydream about leaving my job to start my own business. What were the biggest struggles and challenges you faced in starting up a business? Um, having a great support system is important. You cannot spend, you know, 20 hours with corals and have a, have, have someone they live with someone that 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 that's upset about that. You know, they have to know what's going on, and have to be on the same page. Got to be honest with yourself. I had this talk with with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, saying, "Hey, I want to do this. What do you think?" And she's basically said, "Do you have a plan? What's your timeline?" And they basically said, "Look, you can't accomplish. You don't have anything to show in a certain amount of years. You got to have a plan, plan B. You got to be willing to come back to the real world." And that's what I did. You know, I gave myself a plan. So there was a there was a timeline to accomplish to hit a milestone. For example, I had to um, I started out in an apartment, selling out an apartment. Then I moved to the basement, 400 square footage, square bit. I gave myself three years in that basement. If if I can't grow this business in three years in this basement, or I, there's no opportunity to grow this business, then I should be ready to go back to full because you know you don't you only live once, right? So you only have those three years. You cannot keep going on and on and yeah. keep spending money. So three years in, and I had an opportunity to partner with Will. Uh, a lot of you guys know about him, and, and we opened a storefront. Um, so that, having a plan, having a timeline for yourself, and when you do that, you really pressure, you know, you go out of your way, you sacrifice, you make sacrifice to make sure you hit those goals. Yeah. Showing the uh, picture of the storefront, the uh, for rent uh, sign on the uh, on the front there. Yeah, listen, man, it's not um, it's not an easy thing. I mean, what um, what was the whole process? And I'm going to show these um, pictures when you first started it up. You know, when you go go from your um, apartment right to an actual um, storefront, what um, you know, what's what's the um, the mindset in terms of? I mean, it's like daunting, right? I mean, it's like a big big I task. Yeah, good question. When you said that, I remember when I was doing water change on a 40 gallon. I had, and, and I'm not sure you have the picture of, uh, of the apartment. So in the apartment, what I did was I cut a hole in the dining room. Yes, I got uh, it. Dining room, uh, the dining room, when I moved in, it was open. I, 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 I created a partition to make it into a separate bedroom, right? That was the plan. Then I turned that room into a fish room and opened up a, a hole on the wall. And behind it, I used to uh, sell fish. I was quarantined. Uh, that's the earlier days of, uh, I'm not sure you guys were around, polar conditioned. 
was a, I saw a product condition where I would condition all the fish and treat them, make sure they were eating before I shipped them out. And I was training, and then I was doing water training. But that system was uh, was was not uh, thought out. So I had to lug a bucket of water throughout the basement. I would you know make make a mess everywhere, and then it it felt very 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 uh, uh, for lack of a better word, felt very third world the way things were run there. But then I was thinking, you know what? The, you know what? I'm doing this. If I keep if I, if I keep at this, you know something would like. It's silly because my I think it's a it's 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 the way I was brought up. It's like you know hard work always pays off, right? You know, so I was just like, all right, let me just grind this out, see what happens. Let me just grind this. I have to grind this out. You know, I come this far. I th- there's a hole in the wall. You know, I can't <laughs> go back. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I guess it's a, a part of the personality where I was not afraid to get down dirty. Get you know, hard. I can't do it now. I'm 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 over forty now. I can't do it. Like, but back then it was a young man's game. So I think I think starting a business in coral is is pretty much a young man's uh, young man's. Game. Got uh, Chris from ACA Aquaculture. Hey Chris, what's up, buddy? Um, says support system is key. It's not easy. Great story. Slow and uh, steady. Um, yeah. So we're now I'm showing some pictures there, Kenny, of the uh, I believe this is the uh, the storefront where, where you just started kind of uh, construction in the basement on the storefront, right? There's a whole bunch of vats. That, um, so I'm not sure. I can't see the picture. Yeah. Um, but if 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 you show in the picture after the Forenstein, that's the current storefront uh, right now with uh, with the construction going on. Yep. Um, uh, the plumbing, all the pipes, and all those. Yeah, those. That's that was the during the beginning phase when 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 I was building out the store. Yeah. Who um who gave you the um you know the direction the advice you know how do um how do you like just kind of figure that stuff out was was that like something you you sort of figured out on your own or did were yeah, you uh, did you go mistakes. to other you go to other you, stores or you talk to other people mentors no Google it YouTube it really <laughs> figure it out yes yes holy crap man you just kind of figured that out on your own huh and you, so you went from like a uh, I'm an apartment operation to like a full blown retail you know store. What it is? You know what? I'm not. Sh- uh, you were in advertising, right? So I was. In, I was a developer. I was a programmer. And then, if anybody on the stream that's in this line of business, line of work, you got, you understand this day and age with technology moving so fast, like you learn one language this year. Next year, a new language comes out that's more relevant. So you have to learn constantly. Learn, and th- that was that exact pressure that drew me away from the job that I constantly had to learn. But at the same time, it kind of molded me into a, a to having this ability to. Uh, keep learning, you know, the ability to be self-reliant and, and be resourceful and just to find things. And obviously, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, the apartment that I started, I actually flooded downstairs with skimmer juice. Oh, <laughs> In the middle of the night, security rang my doorbell at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the neighbor because they thought somebody died in the bathtub in my apartment. Was it was it going out- through the ceiling? Yes. So what happened was I <laughs> dosed interceptor, right? And then you don't know if after you dose interceptor, if you don't turn your, you got to turn your skimmer. Otherwise, it makes your skimmer go crazy. I think it's the prosequential that's in the medication that makes your skimmer go foamy as hell. I knew that, but I think I, I thought at the time, you know what? Let me just run into a five-gallon bucket. If any access comes out, it would just you know fill out the bucket. So obviously, that 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 skimmer overflowed the bucket. And then continue to drain, drain, drain. So the, all the skimmer juice drained through the, the room downstairs. Apparently downstairs uh. when I partitioned the dining room, they turned it into a bedroom too. <laughs> Somebody was sleeping there. So their mattress has skimmer juice on it. Uh, and they, they thought, they, yo, they were like, 
we were so worried because I thought somebody, you know, was direct, somebody drowning your bathtub because <laughs> the smell. And then, you know, and nobody knew for they a thought, month. They thought somebody was dead upstairs and they'd been there yes. for a month or so, right? Yes. Not knowing this crazy fish guy has some skimmer <laughs> overflowing. <laughs> Is that why you uh, opened up the storefront? Because you got kicked out of the apartment for that one? No, um, that didn't stop me at all. That just, you know, after that, I was thinking, you know what? How can I make, what can I do to make this not happen again? Because I'm still going to continue those interceptors. I'm still going to run my skimmer. Um, I'm still going to run to a state where the skimmer can overflow. So I ended up uh, buying a, a leak detector. At that time, the uh, the leak detection with APEC was not as uh, as uh, well-made plug-and-play as today. So you have to kind of like reverse engineer a few of you know, the breakout box and then, you know, and then you gotta like wire things, you know, you gotta, so, yeah. Um, Chris is uh, saying from ACI, don't ask me how many times I've flooded the warehouse. We all do it. Maybe it's just me laugh out loud. Yeah. You know, we all do yeah. it for sure, man. I have, um, I, um, I've had my fair share of, um, floods and, and, you know, so I have all my tanks in, in our, uh, finished basement, but, um, I did have a, um, a, a sump pump installed, kind of like right near my um one of my sumps yeah. and um it, you know something pump to pump out uh, if you ever get seepage from the outside in and you know the basement starts to flood and stuff fortunately i live in a very sandy lot so um yeah. uh you know really don't get any of the um the water the, the groundwater that comes into my basement but in case i really really screw up you know i do have a sump pump that can kind of pump everything out and yeah. uh, i also have a drain in the middle of the uh, concrete floor as well so you know this, uh, in this, in this when I, I learned a lot because in the beginning we, we actually did services and, and, and maintenance and we saw a lot of times uh, when, when they build tanks for these uh, expensive apartments, expensive uh, offices in Midtown Manhattan, what they would do, the two way they, uh, they circumvent these kind of uh, situations. And, I mean, if you, if you try, if you flood those areas, you know, you're, you're, you know, there's lots of, lots of trouble, financial trouble. So what they do is one, my favorite is actually drilling a hole on the top of the sump drill a hole and then put a bulkhead in there and then run that pipe to a drain somewhere nearby. So that you never, at the worst case scenario, you're gonna run, you're, 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 you're gonna run into low salinity in your tank. Um, but then your apex should pick up that, you know, along. Or you run a, run a, run a some kind of a pan, aluminum pan around the sump, so at least catch a good five to 10 gallon worth of uh, water. And then you put an alarm on it and they will give you a notification too. So those are very, I mean, Back in the days, you know, you wouldn't know about these kind of things, but now that, you know, I wouldn't install any system these days without these type of failsafe on it. Yeah, I would say uh, leak detectors are essential. You know, I, um, I'm i not like big in terms of like having a lot of um, things in terms of uh, complicated setups with, with my controller and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I always think it's really, really important to have some leak detectors so some sort of leak uh, detection um system and um you know also I, I, a little tip I don't, I don't know if you find this but on like really hot and humid days I, I find it's um the the humidity can trip a leak detector so what i do is i put um i fold up a, like a little uh, paper towel underneath the uh the leak detector yes, yes. and and that's a good way to prevent those um false positive uh, readings i was gonna say that but good thing you you said that um uh, to add to that is uh, we had to strategic where you place that detector because you know we make spills around the tank all the time and and believe it or not more often than not you actually spill right on top you know that's how th things work you know you spill right on top of the leak detector and then it just 
you know, trips it. And then it just, so you got to put it away where it's out of the way, but at the same time, makes sense where it actually detects uh, spill. And I, I did a bonehead thing a couple of weeks ago. I was um, doing maintenance on one of my UV sterilizers, you know, and uh, so I took the top yeah. off and I was soaking the uh, the glass sleeve in some uh, vinegar, you know, to try to, you know, to get the, uh, the, the stuff off, the dirt off of it, uh, the cal- uh, calcification stuff, whatever, you know. So um, I'm soaking it, blah, 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 and I'm doing other tank maintenance and um, did a water change. I always shut my whole system down <clears throat> and I got a bunch of switches. So, um, you know, all the switches were off. And, and then uh, when I finished the water change, I uh, fired up the whole system. And um, I forgot that I had the UV sterilizer unhooked and exposed. Uh, and so I flipped that switch. Water, water like, shot up. I'm like, what? And, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how, man, because it was, it was near like a uh, – it was near some electrical stuff. Um, not, I mean, not near, but it shot up into something. And um, yeah. also I have a um, – um what do you call that a upc battery backup type of thing and uh miraculously i don't know man but everything was okay it's just a little water on the uh the floor but uh yeah you just never know there's always something that you can do that could cause a leak yeah i know as um it is i mean if you're not you're not making a mess in this hobby you're not you're not even trying <laughs> you know this this hobby is messy so man, uh, you said you made a lot of mistakes in terms of the um, you know the business and what have you. What, uh, what what were some of the bigger ones that if you had the chance to do do uh, things differently, what would you have done differently? Oh man, um, do a, so business from business side, do better book, uh, accounting, bookkeeping. That's very important because you gotta know where your money's going. Um, I think that's that's uh, that's a lot of times where that's how people go broke. Um, some of the mistakes, I, I don't think you can avoid it. For example, um, um, I mean, I don't mind sharing this with you guys. In the beginning of uh, the business, we were eager to uh, reduce our costs. So we're trying to go overseas to import corals. And I think many, many, uh, I talked to many, uh, you know, fellow fellow vendors that we got scammed, you know, got scammed. Basically, uh, it was a very, very elaborate scam where they actually did a FaceTime with me. So the person uh, did a FaceTime with me. Um, and spend an hour talking to me, you wow. know, talking about this, really talking about the import. And then step by step until the top moment I sent money, it was just a regular transaction, very attentive, you know, very, very, um, you know, very normal. And then send the money over right away. It was just poof, no, 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 you know, no, nothing else. And then, you know, it's not a lot of money, but at the beginning of the business, every penny yeah. count, you know, like, and it was it, it's, it's to this day it still still haunts me you know but i think mistakes you have to make it for you to learn it there's there's so, you know there's a lot of um you know things out there that can really it's tough man you know cuz i i run a business as well and and there's like you said you know when when you're really um trying to uh, be profitable everything matters especially in the beginning in terms of that bottom line and um there's a lot of things out there there's a lot of different trip wires that you can uh, hit you know um few months ago i um i encountered um a uh what was it a uh a chargeback not a chargeback um what do they call the um the, uh, the thing where somebody orders something they get it and then um they um chargeback yeah chargeback right that's what a, it a fortune charge they, they they filed they filed it as a fortune and they tried to get the money back from yeah, the credit card company yeah and that's like yeah. basically 
they always side with the buyers. Right. And uh, so, I mean, I didn't lose a lot of money on that thing. And um, basically what I found out is like it's almost impossible for a business to fight that with the um, with the bank because the bank will always side with the uh, with the customer. So, um, yeah, there's just yeah. so many things out there that um, make it very, very difficult. But um you never know, man. I mean, you could you know, you could do a deal for like you know sell something for a few thousand bucks, and all of a sudden it's like, like you said, poof, that could go away. Yeah, like those, those raise a lot of red flags uh, with us when we see a big order first time, and then different addresses, you know, names don't match, the numbers don't match. We literally go do some detective work, try to Google the name, Google the address, see where they live, and literally call them up even just to confirm the order's legit. You know, make sure, hey, is this you that made this order? Oh, thank you very much. You know, you know, try to be, uh, try to be nice about it, but gotta protect ourselves too. You know. Yeah, I just invested in some fraudulent, uh, you know, software for my e-commerce um, provider. So that's um, that's something that um, you know, it costs money to have that extra protection, but it's uh, it's definitely worth it because it, they they uh, they're able to kind of like rate each transaction in terms of, you know, whether the the um, possibility of it being fraudulent or not. So that's always. But those those software can protect you from fraudulent claims as well. I mean, a lot of time people don't think about it in this business that people file fraudulent claims. And I have a um, you know I have a story to tell. In the earlier day when I was doing polar condition fish, I sold a regal angel. Uh, love love, beautiful love regal. regal angels. Yeah, but you know regal they have those stripes yeah. right, and their stripes are not. I mean, they seem similar, but they not two fish are the same. And I sold one to a customer, and then. It claimed it, sent a picture to me. Then I said, well, can you send me another picture? Because the stripes don't seem to match. And I said, oh, I flushed it already. You know, like flushed it. Uh, then I said, well, I need to see more pictures because I sent, the picture don't match. And they said, you know what, don't worry about it. And then, he, you know, so I, he, there was an attempt to try to get something from me uh, on that, on, in that event. And uh, yeah, I mean, these things, you know, you, you see them, you know, you, you don't think you see them, you know, but people actually yeah, do it. Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's a harsh reality when it happens to you. What, um, so, so Kenny, when you're setting up a store and, and corals and trying to sell corals, you know, obviously it takes a while for a system to mature, um, you know, especially with SPS, oh, yeah. you know, what, 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 what was that process like for you? Like, you know, obviously you said, you know, you invest a lot of money. In a um, in, in paying rent for a storefront, you invest a lot of money in equipment. You know, you want to kind of get going as quickly as possible in terms of selling, but at the same token, you got to be patient, right? That's a whole reef keeping thing. Well, uh, kind of explain to us how um, that uh, you know whole thing evolved for you in terms of that process of putting plunking down money for rent and then actually being open for business. How long did that take? Yeah, that's that that's very challenging. Uh, even you know as we. When we opened up, uh, we didn't have any inventory. Uh, all the inventory was in in the basement, so we kept that system running. So literally, we were you, you could look at it like we we had two uh, spaces running simultaneously. So one space one space we continue to sell from the existing space in the basement where we can continue to have cash flow while we built out a new store. And then the move took really slow. We were bringing corals like literally five pieces at a time five pieces of time as the system brought them online and we try to use existing live rock um, but then the new space was so much bigger that obviously we had to had to acquire you know new new water new new live new rock 
knew knew everything and and those systems the brand new system took a long time like the display the current display tank i think for the first year was not doing anything for us because uh, we use complete dry rock i'm pretty sure you know uh we talked you guys talked at length about using dry rock to start up a system and it was uh it was evident to me you know not just the display tank even the tubs the grow out tubs it were having a lot of issues just with swings we weren't able to sustain core like there would be like a month of time where aqua would grow well and, and the colors and then after that and all of a sudden they start to like weird things can happen they just like die out of nowhere stop growing um so then the one thing that I had had not tried the time was using live rock so i started asking customers asked asking uh people that i knew at the time that had well established mature retank can I bump? Can can you send me some live rock, live rock rubble, here and there? And that's what I did. You know, I throw some live rock in there, and that literally like, that's what made turn the turn everything around. You know, we see the tank, and then I would say probably about not weeks, but probably like a month, two months time. You, you could literally see see the corals turn around, like the the polyps start to look puffier and juicier. Yep. And, and prior to that, the polyps just like skinny. You know. Like there's no life to it. Like you know how when you take um, take coral out of water and put it back in, you know it, it, the the tentacles completely lose their their, yep. their vigor. You know, but we could see like they were like puffy. They were like filled with water. Uh, so it's a long process. But right now, if we had to do it again, I would probably keep all the lyrock. They're the most valuable uh, uh, asset in the move. If you ever decide to move a tank from one place to another. The Lyrock will help the transition a lot better. Yeah, and it and it doesn't uh, take a lot to keep the live rock live. You know, I mean, if you got like a, yeah. a brute garbage, you know, can or a Rubbermaid tub. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, for my we were talking about it before the um, before the live stream, but I'm doing a major um, you know revamp on my big established SPS uh, system, yeah. and you know, so I've been cooking like dry rock in that. Um, and a hundred gallon rubber made for, for a few months now. And I've been, um, you know, been doing 10% water changes with the established tank water. I've been dosing bacteria, but, um, you know, my one experience in terms of trying to start a tank purely with dry rock right at the beginning was just like an, an utter failure. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I probably didn't do it correctly. You know, I, 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 um, it was just too sterile of an environment, but, um, this is going to be my yes. second go around with uh, dry rock. And I think, um, you know, knock on wood, that's the right way to do it is to I mean, condition you, it. You can still do dry rock, you can still do dry rock, you know, just, just keep a piece or two pieces of live rock around. The one with sponges on it are the ones that's the best. They, they give you an indication of how, how well, how established your, uh, your, your live uh, bacteria and, you know, population is. Um, and make sure you feed a tank, make sure you feed a rock, feed a rock. Um, yeah. Rob Upstate, New York. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that super chat uh, comment. Is here's to the great chat. Really appreciate that. So, um, Kenny, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna show a video of um, of the store and and the uh, the SPS tank. Is there more than one SPS tank? That um, yeah. Uh, so we have a few display tanks that grow SPS, in in in, in and then we have two uh, uh, tubs dedicated strictly to aquapora and then we have uh, other tubs that that we we, we dedicate to mix uh, lps and zoas and then we also have some uh, smaller tanks for anemones and uh, we have one tub for uh, uh what, what we call uh receiving uh 
these are new core that we come in that that we basically just let sit there and we observe. And then prior to that, we have another system, um, uh, like for uh, there's not a receiving tank where we we new new call go in there and we just like sit let it sit and, and observe and then dip. So um, SPS like wherever the space, and then it can support uh, acros. We 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 grow acros. Yeah. So um, what's what is your um, quarantine process like? How long does a coral go into quarantine? What do you dip with? I mean, let's talk about SPS. Yeah, so that's a big thing, right? Especially in the hobby these days. So we have two systems um, that we keep um, uh, our new corals in. And we just, when we first get them in, we put them in. And obviously we dip, but depending on the condition of coral, sometimes coral comes in pasty and we try to not, if you dip it, you're obviously gonna kill it. Um, but I have this uh, uh, thing that I tell the guys, I dip to kill, you know? <laughs> I'd rather kill the coral than bring in, than risk bringing something into our system. So in the beginning, I, I, I the dip that we use is is Prozzi Pro. Okay, uh, I prefer Prozzi Pro. Um, one thing is that if you look on the label, it says reef safe. So you it takes a lot for 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 that to to cause issue with your with your coral. So it's very gentle. Now I dose. It's it's not a it's not a scientific dosage, it's it's all through trial and error. Basically, I dose so much where I see that it will actually start to cause issue with the corals, then I dial back. Then I know this is my my dosage amount, and and I haven't had not had an issue. That 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 thing knocks off not just worms, it knocks off starfish. I seen it knock off aptasia sometimes. And basically anything that's that's not coral, it knocks off. And and I like it. I I think there's one other person that I know that uses, but I don't remember who it is. Um, and also I would prefer that over Bayer is because Bayer give you that milky, cloudy ness, uh, uh, and then you can't see through what 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 what's in the dip. But with with the Prozzi Pro, actually keeps the water clear. Doesn't have to smell. Um, so I, yeah, I like that better. Is that a uh, you? So you do the you do a separate dip. You don't uh, you don't treat the tank with. I don't know a lot about Prozzi Pro, but um, th that's a separate. No, no, no. You dip. You no, dip. I don't treat the tank right. with. The the dose would be too 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 low to do any to uh, to make any changes. So like I said, I I, I I dose a lot. Word. Obviously, if you overdose it to a certain degree, it will kill your corals. And I found out found out the hard way. So I I've done it so so much so long that I know exactly how much I need to dose before. So if someone, like, I don't want to give out this information that someone goes out and start dosing parts before and they kill it. I don't want all that to happen. So make sure you, you do a trial run first with a coral that you probably, you know, you wouldn't cry if it died on you. And and just, you know, one, one thing that you know the corals is going to, um, you, you dose too much is when the polyps, that the, 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 the mouth of the polyps start to gape. Mm. You know, I don't know, start to gape, then, then you know it doesn't, any it does too much. Yeah. Great bearded reef, Paul. Man, thank you so much for that super chat uh, comment. It's great looking. Thanks, Kenny. Thanks again for another great conversation, uh, Keith. Thanks again, Paul. Um, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know what? I started using, and I've talked about this a lot. Um, I've started using potassium chloride, um, KCL, yeah. and um, I, I. It's cheaper. What's that? <laughs> it's cheaper. It's. It's. I mean, I. Um, and and uh, you know, Farmer Ty. Yes. Ty Ty. He uh, okay. he turned me on to that. 
that dip, man. And uh, it's been like a revelation for me because... It, you know, I'm going to try that out. I'm going to try that out. Yeah, yes. I did a video on it. And, um, you know, so I've got the, um, you know, all the information in that uh, in that video. But um, it's clear. It's so freaking gentle on uh, on corals. Yeah. And, and um, you know, I've... Um, I usually dip for 25 minutes. You could dip up to 30 minutes. I've heard of um, folks that have actually forgotten that they left corals in that dip for like hours and the corals are still fine. I mean, knock on wood, man. I've been using this thing for months and months and I have not lost any frag or any coral. I started actually dipping Ghanis in, um, in this stuff. And, um, yeah. you know, because I, I, um, I had some red pl uh, planaria on, on some Ghanis and it like freaking just... Um, annihilated the um the the planaria on the ganis and the ganis were like fine i mean and i had treated like the um the ganis with with coral rx multiple times before and i think what was happening is the polyps the on the ganiopora and the alveopora were retract, retracting into the skeleton protecting the uh the worms but i think with yeah. the um the great thing about kcl is that um it is like reef safe i mean obviously you don't want to like put too much potassium chloride into your reef tank but um it it kind of works the way it was explained to me is it's it's a uh, like an osmotic shock and the water somehow mm. gets sucked out of the uh the uh, the flatworms and they, exp and they, yeah. and they explode they disintegrate i might have actually seen them disintegrate when you blow them with a uh, with a turkey baster yeah. so it's um it's pretty cool um Eric Mez, thank you so much, um, and for the uh, for that super chat, really appreciate it. Um, comment is glad to see Poto thriving. Been a customer since the basement. Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric. Yeah, I gotta I gotta check out your store, man. One of these days. I mean, I, I'm always going through the tri-state area every now and then, but um, that would be you should come by. Yeah, corals are growing out of uh, going crazy right now in the store. <laughs> um, what pest? scares you the most mm, black bucks i think everybody says that black bucks. and how do you address those um another thing that 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 um that i in the basement one time i had um spiders uh equine spiders uh, not that many people come across them um they are they only come out during the day and they the, the thing is about them they don't stay with the coral they don't like, you know, flatworms, black buck, they, they stay with the coral. But these spiders, they go everywhere. Um, but, uh, yeah, spiders, they're pretty scary. So, yeah, always dip, no matter who you get it from. Um, I don't care what people say about their QT, quarantining practices. Some Something bound to pass through. Um, always and, you know, dip, no matter who you get it from. Always dip. Always dip and cut the base off, you know. Uh, when you buy colonies, try not to buy colonies. I buy frags, just less to deal with. So, you know, easier to manage. If a big colony, then there's more chances of missing something. And they don't ship well anyway, colonies. So. Yeah, yeah, that's, those are definitely tricky, chunky uh, frags or, or um, little mini colonies. Um, you know, I had, I actually actually broken down someone's tank, right? Like, like thriving tank, beautiful tank. Everything looks healthy. Cannot be a better uh, state. Uh, broke it down. And then the coral was growing onto the back back wall so i think it was a red planet too it's a huge colony like the size of my laptop right here and i broke it down and then it's flat uh encrustment onto the back glass behind it it was like clusters of uh, flatworm eggs Ooh. i was like 
But then you look at coral, you would never have ever coral looks healthy. That. Super healthy, pops all out, super colored. You know. Yeah. Did you pass on so that? You uh, did you pass on that red planet? Uh, oh, I took home, chop it all up, <laughs> chop up the, the base, get rid of the, all the eggs, dip. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, all right, so. Kenny, t- uh, refresh our memories. You know, I, I'm pretty sure the last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about in terms of what you like to use for equipment and all, and all that stuff. Or, you know, kind of give us a rundown in terms of how you guys like to, uh, you know, run and maintain your reef tanks. You know, lighting, filtration, nutrient control. You know, all that stuff. You know, maybe start with lighting. Are you all still like 100% LEDs? Yes, I, 100% LEDs. Um, only, only, I would say 100% LED. radions. Well, the store, when we built the store, we, we went in with uh, thinking of using Radeon, but we're open to other other lighting lighting platforms because, you know, it's so expensive. Uh, when you try to run a store, when you have like, you know, 50, 60, these things add up. And we, we were, you know, we open to other type of platform, but we just found that the Radeon generally just performed. Um, I mean, they just grow corals. As long as they grow corals, I don't, uh, we don't care. Uh, the other the other lighting that we're using right now uh, in the beginning on display tank uh, earlier photos show we're using Radeon, uh, but then the most recent one showed that we're using the um, we, we're using ATI Stratton. Um, that's a new new um, new lighting that we try and we liked it because um, at the end when you have a big tank you actually save money because you ended up running less fixtures, and that's the whole goal we're going after because with the Radeon we we needed more to cover the the space that we had. And there's, and there's just too many wires. And then, you know, being that this, the tank sits in front of the store, it has to look elegant, has to look a certain way. And we found that the strand, you know, worked out. The only thing about that is, is the controllability. Uh, you have to go on a web browser, you got to change your Wi-Fi. Mm. I wish that they come up with an app like Mobius, and that would be a winner. Um, but controlling it, it's, 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 uh, it's, not, uh, it's not intuitive. What, what made you uh, take the plunge for the ATI Stratton fixtures? Any, anybody else was using them and had positive feedback or what kind of you know, drew you um, to them? Reasons one is uh, it, 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 uh, we like the profile, the way it looked. Like I said, it, it has it's a it it it, it was still on the display tank in front of the store. Second, secondly, uh, we had good experience with ATI when we ran the T5 fixtures, and you know we kind of like had some faith in the in, in in their light fixture in the German, you know, it's a, it's a made in Germany fixture, so we kind of had some faith in it and. And we tried it out, and the, you know, Coral loved it, and it was perfect for the dimension, the footprint that we had on our tank, which is 60, 68 by 30 wide by 24 high. Yep. Uh, so it's it's a it's a weird size. So um, when we ran the radio on it, we had to run a T5 or Reefbrite on the side to give it additional uh, coverage. Yep. But with the strand, we didn't have to. So we loved, we, we really liked that fact that we didn't have to run more light, less wires. Are those tough lights to get a uh, hold of? Uh, Great Bearder Reef is uh, saying been trying to get those lights for some time now. Are they hard to come by? Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine um, they're not cheap either. I would imagine they're a lot more expensive now too. Um, when, when we got it, was readily available when we got them. That was prior before the pan, right before pandemic. And then I think right now it's probably a little uh, harder. It, it, also, it, there's not a lot of demand for it um, in in, the, in America. I think that's why they didn't bother boosting the the, the production. Uh, for it, but I, I think you can still buy it. They did. I don't. Last time I checked, they haven't. Dis, they had not discontinued it yet. So, 
Folks, I just want to remind you, if you haven't hit that uh, like button, please uh, do so so more people can find the stream. And, uh, yeah, if you have any uh, more questions for, uh, for Kenny, drop them in the, uh, in the chat. So what, what do you guys like to, uh, prefer in terms of spectrum there, uh, Kenny, with your lights? You're running um, LEDs or... or... I like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. People are not going to like it. I like blue. I like blue a lot. What, um, it just, it just the, you know, the colors is just amazing. But uh, white for the growth... Uh, have to have white, you know, but as far as viewing, um, especially in the, in the, in the store uh, environment, you know, we're here to sell corals, so we keep the light blue most of the time, and then um, obviously people want to see white, they would ask, but I don't remember one time where people ask to turn up the white, except for shows, you know, at shows they would ask to turn up the white, and then we should turn up the white for them, um, but um, yeah, the only thing is that your favorite coral organ tour does not show up in blue. Yeah, man, you can't uh, you can't uh, yeah. have blue lights so, and like blue corals. But you'd, you'd be glad to know that in the display tank, we're actually running quite white uh, on the strand. So the 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 organ tour actually pops in that tank. It's like the that blue thing in that tank it just pops. Everything else kind of like gets kind of like washed away because the blue is so blue. Uh, you gotta come and check it out. Yeah, I gotta check it out. It's not, but it's not a big colony, but it's blue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. If if you're running blue spectrum, um, um, you know, heavy lights, then any blue corals are not going to um, pop out as much versus running the uh, the full spectrum. How, um, Kenny? How important is PAR? Would you say in the equation for uh, growing SPS? It's important, um, but I think what's more important is um, it's, it's it's understanding that not all corals are built the same. So you have corals that will love 500 PAR, then you have different code that may not like fungi part like even within the same genus like acropora within acropora there's like hundreds of different species and you know you can't obviously you can't put a red dragon under the same you know you could acclimate but um you shouldn't you know but you where we put it with a mil blue milius you know like blue color acros love highlight and 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 the deep deep you know deep water skin coral like such as the uh, the red dragon they don't really like that much like I mean, they can survive, but they get washed out. They get bleached out. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so we got a random uh, coral question from Michael um, Bazzi. Bazzi, any tips for polyp extension on Ghanis? On Ghanis? Okay, so that's interesting. So I was just um, someone was asking me about that today on Facebook because I posted some pictures. Um, one is low flow, um, and to understanding to understand what they need is that. You know, um, Ghani actually occur in very silty, turbid water in the wild when they collect it. So, considering it's not like what you would consider pristine condition. So, in 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 in, in your home environment, like especially in the earlier days when 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 people say, you know, we we can't keep Ghani alive. Ghani is one of those things that's out of reach. That's because we 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 we've championed um, having zero phosphate, zero nitrate, zero everything. Yeah. And, and right now, the, the concept has started to, to, to change to where you've got to have some nutrient in there. And then, so you have to have nitrate, you have to have some phosphate in there. And there's an article I read recently about how amino, certain type of amino acid, there are many different types. I think there's eight type of amino acids. I'm not a scientist, but I, I think there's certain type of amino acid that, that triggers polyx extension. That's why a lot of these foods that we feed in the water, once you throw it in the, 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 the coral, they don't smell it, but they sense it, right? So by feeding uh, on a consistent basis where your filtration can keep up with your feeding, 
you can bring forth the power extension out of the gun. But the thing is, not too much flow. Um, um, and 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 remember that they come from an area, come from you know Nathan in the wild. They come from turbid and silty water. So obviously, lighting is important. You can't blast them too much light. You could acclimate them to a higher light, but don't when you first get them in. Obviously, start them low, low flow, and just make sure you feed your tank. Um, you know, I rather see algae than seeing a bear, like sterile tank. That that just me just gives me like oh goosebumps. You have to have <laughs> algae. You have to have uh, uh, some nutrient in your tank. Yeah. What do you guys like to run in terms of uh, your nutrients at nitrates, phosphates? So um, we only test two parameters in the store. We only test alkalinity and phosphate. Wow. Uh, phosphate, we we run pretty high phosphate, but we recognize that high phosphate has a negative impact on the growth rate of our acros. They grow, they survive, they color up even, but they don't grow. Um, so we, in the beginning, we you know we ran up the highest phosphate we ran is point. We had like registered like 0.5 on this bay tank, like. 0.5 but right now we run between 0.05 to 0.1 so i'm showing your um you sent me some data on um your alkalinity and phosphate right so i've got these test results and and uh yeah man i can't believe what i'm looking at here in terms of the phosphate holy crap so i, I send that to you just to give uh, you guys an idea like there's some surprises hidden there right so um talk about stability you talk about uh numbers right so um the sps systems um, SPS one, SPS those are the one where a lot of the, the growing happen. Uh, a lot of pictures that, that we take, the very very fancy acros, they come out of those uh, systems. And from if you zoom out of the graph, they're actually quite stable. Um, but you do see that it hit different numbers, like from seven uh, to to seven seven point five, about seven to seven, seven to eight. You're talking and about then, the alkalinity right there, yeah. Alkalinity right there, yeah. That's 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 like natural seawater, right? I mean, that's kind of like where you're uh, you're at in terms of your alk. Yeah, I mean, we we have run down to like six point five alkalinity, six point eight. Uh, like the purpose of these charts is not to to change those number to to provide us with an idea of trends. Trend is most important to us. We want to see what this tank is trending to. Is it trending up, trending down, and then from that we draw insight. I don't think I, I, I sent you the phosphate charts. Uh, that's why you're showing. I'm, that I'm showing right now the um, um, the line charts for the alkalinity. So we're looking at the yeah. um, the, the the graphs for those. Um, you know, and and you see a lot of um, you see a lot of ups and downs on on some of these uh, tanks. Do, do so you, those ups and downs are, are from are storytellers, right? The, um, the reason why I send this to you is, is because to, to tell you that. It's important to keep a, a historical graph of your of your parameters because it tells you what happened. You know, like for example, one of the spikes was hap happened when we had a, a clock in the Kamoa pump, and we changed out the tubing. And then when I, we did that, you know, obviously it pumped even though the drip rate was the same, but the volume was a lot more, so it spiked up the alkalinity, and then we fixed that immediately. Um, a lot of these uh, dips or, or dips could be from emptying of the calcium, uh, the, the CO2 canister that we we rarely check. Um, you know, when you have a large consumption of uh, of, of uh, calcium and alk, you know, things will just go really fast instead of lasting a year, which is lasting six months. You know, but we fix those, we adjust those right away, and and we test those uh, almost daily. And you can see uh, we actually have the names of each tester next to the test, so that we can talk to them and we can. 
draw, we can have, you know, sit down and talk about what happened and, and we can fix those problems right away. And that's what really continue to keep, give us a lot of like uh, confidence in our tanks. Even though the, you see that wild go crazy, go wild, um, but because we fix them, you know, as soon as, you know, we see it and we address it or we know, oh, this is because you did a water chain, we did a 50 percent instead of doing a 20 percent, we did a 60 percent instead of 20 percent, that obviously we're going to drive up your, uh, your, your alkalinity. But we, we have not seen any problem with these kind of swings uh, as long as, um, you know, we fix them right away. What, so, do, what are you guys using to, to monitor alkalinity? People. <laughs> oh, um, you're so using yeah. uh, test kits? Uh, test kits, yes. Oh, wow. We, you know, we, I, I tried the, I tried, uh, uh, the, the, um, the KH. KH director? Yes, I tried that. Um, you know, it, 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 it provided the same um, insight and value as uh, the, the staff that we provide because every someone's every you know someone's there every day and they they they, they test and then although the numbers have like a you know like a one decimal off but then they're trending the same and we find that you know what what we care about most here most here is the trend we don't care whether it was nine we don't care if it was seven we care whether or not it's trending this way or trending down and then, then we know this is tank consuming less consuming too much if it's consuming less some what is causing the core to stop growing and then usually we can draw, you know, we can figure it out like, oh, we, we just drop this, you know, drop big, huge fish in there. Maybe, you know, nutrient just, let's look at phosphate. Maybe phosphate has spiked and then they stop growing. Or if it's dip, dipping a lot, usually, oh, there's something clogged. Or, you know, it, we catch it, because we test every day, we catch it on the spot. So it never causes any issues for us. You guys using the calcium reactors on your systems? Almost every systems. Yeah. Yeah, every single system. Yes. How um how 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 much do you guys monitor pH and you know do you lean on pH in terms of um you know trying to get within a certain range or is pH not as much of a concern for you? So so I think unless you're you're in a in a room with no air, I think generally seawater, you know, naturally by nature they buffer pH to a certain point. But I do find that um it wasn't until recently we installed a split unit in the store. Not recently, like a couple of years ago. Prior to that, we never tested pH. I mean, we, we had pH on Apex. It read like certain value. We never paid mind to it. But when we installed a split unit, when we provided air movement above the tanks, yeah. saw our um, our pH go up to like a consistently above A, right? Before it was like it would dip, into, dip below A. And we simultaneously saw better growth. And, and, you know, that's when we, oh, you know, this is a coincidence, but it's a good thing that, that we did this because now that calls are going faster because the pH there's definitely merit to it. And I think, you know, you, you don't necessarily have to chase the number, but just make sure that you have good air circulation and it will naturally raise your pH. If your pH is too low, I even had a CO2, like a silly CO2 monitor in there. And it, it tells a lot of story. Like when we have Monday, when we do shipping a lot, you know, the CO2 level will be really high. And then on weekends or the later end of the week when there's less people working or less, the store is not as fast, uh, the store is a little slow, the CO2 goes up and they see the pH correlate to that. Um, so, you know, just, just adjust those issues. And then once you leave a certain lifestyle in that room where the fish tank sits, it will continue to keep that pH consistent. So besides any, um, <clears throat> besides, you know, making sure that the air is circulating, any, anything else that you guys do to um, you know, make sure so, that pH is above eight. Uh, I mean, 
we we dose kalkwasser as a supplement because of the de- uh, demand, not because to drop a pH because pH is already high. Uh, you know, but we 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 dose kalkwasser just to uh, as a supplement. I know some some I know I know you mentioned in the last show that you you do it reverse where you do kalkwasser as a primary. Yeah, it's pretty uh, much like my primary, uh, you know, thing in terms of dosing cockwasser, and then the uh, calcium reactor doesn't go on that that often. Yeah, so I, I dose it twenty four seven actually on the dose dosing pump, um, but very slow. And our P, the highest point of pH right now is actually eight point six. The other day I checked. Yeah, man. Uh, on one of my systems, I uh, my pH, I, I I'd been like you know, for my newer Peninsula tank. My pH had been like in the um, eight four to eight six range, you know, for a long time, and then um, you know it it it, it dipped, kind of like after the last time I calib- recalibrated the pH probe, you know, and and then it had been running like in the uh, the eight one to eight three range, and I'm like, man, that's kind of weird, you know, why after the recalibration did it like go down to like that lower level, and um, mm-hmm. you know, finally today I got off my ass and I was like, I'm gonna re recalibrate that uh, pH probe to see what's going on. And, uh, yeah, so it was off. It was, like, not reading correctly. And so, um, you know, I've been opening up some more windows. It actually is getting a little bit warmer up here in uh, in uh, Vermont. So um, Was it the A6 that's correct, or was it the A1 that's correct? The A6. So today, I mean, my pH right now it's about 8.7. I'm like, holy crap, man. I got to get that. I got to close the windows. I got to get the pH down. Yeah. So I recalibrated yeah. and I was like, "Wow, that's uh, it was." I, I don't know, like, like which you mentioned, we is we do to uh, we do for recalibration in the store for all the pH probes. But you know, that's yeah. you know that's very important for for folks out there that yeah. that are chasing the pH like myself. Um, you definitely want to make sure your pH probes are calibrated uh, correctly because you don't want to like. Uh, how, the coral, how the corals look. Uh, there was a couple like that were a little uh, stressed out, uh, and and you know the last couple of weeks there's been a couple of corals that have been stressed out in that tank. I'm like, what's going on, you know? And my salinity had dropped a little bit in that tank too, so I thought originally it was salinity, but then when I saw you know that the uh, the pH range was probably off, I was like, holy crap, man, maybe that's the yeah, pH okay. they're getting pissed off at. Um, what um so what 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 do you guys like to run your salinity at, and what what salt do you use? It's an ocean. Yeah, always, that's what I've been using. Like- um, 026, 027. Uh, Sometimes I don't mind high salinity. Uh, low salinity will cook. I think low, low salinity will cook, kill corals. Uh, in my experience, they I have had like where um, I just go go a long time without calibrating a salinity plan. Uh, whatever we use to test salinity, and then it would drop to like 0.020, and then coral just be suffering. But I wouldn't know. But uh, high salinity, I never have not seen negative effect, which makes sense because. There was an article about Red Sea being uh, salinity in Red Sea is 1.028. So, and and then and this, the article mentioned that it's it's likely that is why that uh, the the corals in that ocean in that sea is 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 a little, a little more resistant to uh, bleaching because they they because you know Red Sea they they they're very dry very hot. Um, but the salinity is very high, and they think that high salinity has something to do with that. They didn't provide any scientific, you know, facts to back that up. It was just like, uh, you know, it could be anecdotal. But, you know, I mean, I think there's a great thing for us to find out in the hobby, you know, because um, people, it, it's 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 coincidentally 
you know, we can find out when we make mistakes. When we make a mistake of having too high salinity or maybe they're having too low salinity. And, and in my experience, low salinity has killed my corals where high salinity have not killed my corals. So, yeah, yeah Paul, uh, great beard of reef says Adam from uh, Battle Corals runs his uh, salinity at, at uh, 0.028. So that's pretty high. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it sounds high because we're used to it with 025, 026. Um, but if you really think about it, you know, the, the, the rest, you know, the scientific theory, I think it was on Nat Geo saying that, you know, Red Sea, you know how beautiful the, the, the reef, I, I, I'm not sure you're a diver. I, I'm not, I, I never dove uh, Red Sea, but I've seen pictures. It's beautiful. And, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. So, Kenny, let's get back to uh, Ghania Poor Care. And, and you know, this relates to uh, SPS as well. Do you, do you guys dose any trace elements or do you feed any uh, amino acids and coral food? No, we don't do any of that. Uh, what we do is very simple. I'm not sure you had a picture of, uh, of the sump, of the spray tank. Um, we calcium reactor with a fuge and lots of fish, and we feed a fish, and that's pretty much it. And the reason behind it is um, being in a store, in a, in a commercial environment, uh, we cannot get too intricate or complex. You know, we got to make it so that anybody comes in to work at the store, they can just pick, pick it right up how to care for the tank. Uh, if we tell them, you, you know, you got to dose this, this, how, how, how many mil, those, it gets too, too much. So you guys don't do any, uh, you don't get into the whole ICP testing and whatnot. You're just, a, it's a real basic um, approach to reef keeping. No, I think this that to us is fun to know. Uh, we send it in once in a while just to cross-reference. It's not something that we lie entirely. Like, I would probably send, send in the ICP test once a year, um, only for, like, the display tank, just, just to see, you know, just to see. We don't we don't take any action based on on the findings you know it's, it's all sorts. i um yeah. i'm, I'm kind of similar in terms of the icp testing i don't do it that often and um I, I also don't try to overreact to icp tests because i think there's so much information that you get from an icp test that there could be you know a whole number of different red flags but you know i always go by the observation thing right if your corals are looking good there's a thing right when you're in the business, you realize 95% of your customers, they are not like, they're in it for the enjoyment of the, of the coral. They're not like techie or, 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 you know, I mean, you know, if you want to get techie, that's fun also. It depends what kind of person you are. But most of the customers that we've dealt with come across, they just want to have a happy, growing health. You know, they don't want, like, having to care about, sometimes having to care about cal- calcium, I can only, like the basic parameters, it's already a lot for them to have to deal with, right? So uh, we try to, set our parameters, you know, similar to, to, you know, what uh, regular home hobbyists would have in their home and, and trying to match their parameters. And that's why we use Instant Ocean. Instant Ocean is great because they make it in such a big batches that, you know, the, the, the quality and the consistency is very, very stable, you know. Um, and then public aquarium use it and then can't go wrong. I mean, you can't be having salt that kills like multi-million dollar animals in the public aquarium. So we trust that entirely, and we just kind of like starting as a blank canvas and supplement with calcium reactor and feed a lot. We have a lot of fat, happy fish. What's, uh, so how many times a day do you feed, and what do you guys feed? Well, when I so now I'm not as in the store as much anymore, um, but when, when I'm in the store, I, whenever I can, I just drop some food in there, and I hand feed them, and, you know, that's part of, you know, that part of enjoyment of the hobby or the, the work, right? So... I feed them a lot. I mean, uh, I, I just like drop food everywhere. I see the fish eat. <laughs> and then, you know, um, when the guys are busy, I just, I know that they're busy, I feed the fish. 
or you know, make sure they're well fed. So well, yeah, I'm not afraid to feed them as much. What do you guys I like to feed them? Everything, frozen seafood. I mean seafood, seaweed, um, mices. Uh, we have rods and LRS in the store. Uh, just a mixture of you know anything that we. Yeah, I um, I feed like my fish four times a day, and I try to do a variety. I do like you know mysis um, and brine cubes. I'll do a homemade blend with which includes like a whole bunch of different seafood like pick up from the supermarket, plus some um, garlic extract, some spirulina powder, some um, reef roy. You know, I'm like throwing everything but the kitchen sink in that that. No, they eat better than us. Fish eat better than yeah, that. and then um, I also feed the nori sheets. You got a lot of tangs, and and uh, I think that's good, and and pellets. So yeah, I think feeding a lot and just a variety is is a really good um, thing. Not only for the fish too, but for the coral as well. Um, you gotta remember when you feed a fish, they poop, they they actually pee. You know, they the pee comes through the gills, right? So through the pee, it comes out with ammonia. Ammonia turns to nitrite and nitrate, and nitrate feeds your corals. So we don't feed your fish. Your fish starve. One, they get skinny and they're not happy. Secondly, they're not you know, pooping or peeing as much as they should be, and therefore your corals are gonna starve. So feeding your fish, indeed, you know, in turn feed your feed your reef. So that's why we don't we don't those trace element. We just feed the fish. The fish happy. The corals happy. Yeah, I always say fish poop is a beautiful thing, but maybe I should also say fish uh, pee is a is, is a good thing. Fish pee, yes. Um, but, you know, I was talking with uh, who did I have on? Um, I had the, the guys from Reef Beef on, and uh, Rich Ross, I think, said uh, I, I asked him something about uh, what do you think's gonna, what are we gonna see in terms of like in the next five years, like the new trend or something like that. And he said peeing in the tank. <laughs> yes, I think, I think Rich, we weren't talking about humans peeing in the tank. I think maybe uh, maybe we should be talking about fish uh, getting fish to pee more in the tank. Yeah, speaking of the next five years, where do you think the hobby's going? Oh, you're asking me that question? From, from, <laughs> from a hobby standpoint. Wow. Um, you know, I think that um, from a hobbyist standpoint, well, it's, you know, I think tank raised is certainly going to be a very, um, you know, even more important thing in the future in terms of being able to grow out and um, cultivate you know corals but i also think that um you know the uh the wild corals that are collected are uh, a, an important part of the uh, the ecosystem and um i do i do worry about that piece of it i don't i don't know enough about it you know i i'm, I'm that's not where my uh, expertise is in terms of the uh, that part of the uh, the industry in terms of the wild caught and the um the corals that are raised um you know maricultured pieces so, you know, my understanding is that that is an important piece to the future of the hobby. But, um, you know, I, I just think based on, on my experience and my knowledge that, um, you know, the captive raised stuff is is certainly going to be um, very important. And, um, you know, listen, right now there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of unique things happening. I mean, the cost of fish right now is like through the roof. Right. Yeah. So that's that's really um, changed. And. The whole um, you know thing going on in terms of collecting in Hawaii is, is certainly got a um, you know that, that certainly plays a big role in it. But um, I you know I, I kind of worry about the affordability of this hobby in the future. Yeah, interesting. Um, I think uh, I, I'm on the same page with you on that as well. And I'm seeing the 
Um, the same thing with the fish. That's definitely like right now we 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 took down our last fish system. Um, you don't um, those that are local to it, they know that we we don't even sell fish anymore. Yeah, I know you were dialing um, that back, but you're you're not even selling fish anymore, huh? Uh, we don't we don't even, we don't even have a dedicated fish system in the store. Yeah. Um, reason being is that given our geologic geographical location in Staten Island, um, and then you know. There are so many other better options out there. People are doing it, doing a great job at conditioning, killing fish where we don't have the uh, space luxury to do it. Um, plus the prices, oh my God, like, you know, we can't even, we feel bad posting these prices up, but we have to because otherwise, what's the point? So we find it, it's not even, doesn't make sense, you know? And then the customer, they don't care about how much it costs to bring them in, they just care how much they're gonna hit their wallet, yeah. right? So I, I just turn them and I say, you know what, you want this fish? There's, um, you know, people are aquaculturing. I'll leave time to go to, you know, check out Biota, check out, you know, these these other vendors that are conditioning fish. Sometimes we, even ourselves, we go there and buy their fish. You know, so is the price is too much. We cannot, like, like you know, where we are, we're on an island. We're on Staten Island. So island, it, it comes from, you have to take a toll bridge to come here. So just by that alone, with gas and tow, you know, it, it's already a lot, right? With, with the current climate, and we just find that maybe growing coral makes more sense, you know. Um, and and there's a lot of pressure, you know, on the hobby as a whole to grow corals. Mm. You know, there's a lot of pressure. Um, I recently, I'm not, sh- um, you know, with the with the regulations and, you know, scrutiny that that's being put on the hobby. I think it's more important than ever that we have to show that we can grow corals as a as a collective whole. And then, you know, can, that alone can sustain the hobby, that would be great, you know. Um, we have not brought in, um, we have not brought in uh, much wild, we don't have brought in any wild aqua colonies for a long time. You know, a lot of stuff that we grow, a lot of stuff you see on auction that we, that we sell uh, are either grown by ourselves or we source from other private hobbyists. You know, yeah. I mean, we made a lot of great friends, um, you know, in, 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 in the hobby and we just, Literally, we either trade with them or we buy straight from the hob- from the hobbyists. Um, so, I do think that it's important that we we really show the the ability for the hobby to grow corals in a good way, in a sustainable way for the ho- for the hobby to have, you know, for people to res- just imagine this: they try to shut down the sushi industry, they will be an uproar, yeah. right? So, I think you know we are the low hanging fruit here, and. and I just I have concern for the future when 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 they start to come down on it because we we're a small bunch we're a small tiny community, you know. Um, it's not like the seafood industry where they can't even shut them down. But you know it's 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 a uh, you know it's important that we have to grow coral. And it's the future of the hobby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. It's it's getting more expensive to um, to run a business. You know, shipping costs right now are like through the friggin' roof you know, to ship out corals. And, and so that eats into the bottom yeah. line, right? I think that's why the auction that we have is so, so well suited for this kind of climate because people, you name your people pay what they want to pay. And it, it helps us out because it, it gives us guaranteed sales instead of putting corals up and wait, wait for people to buy. But people are able to just bid on what they want to pay for. And then, you know, I think it's a good- producer reef is asking, where can I find the Poto uh, auction? So you can find it on find it on our website piecesoftheocean.com uh, under the auction tab. Uh, we run it from Wednesday to Friday, 
and it's pretty short in the in in in, in, the, in you know in the grand scheme of things for auctions, and then um, hopefully, um, oh, we also have second chances too. So we all know that auction people don't buy. Uh, sometimes people don't pay. It's an unfortunate thing that comes with the nature of auctioning, and we just put those things back up. People just the people just flake out. Oh yeah, there are people. That, I mean, <laughs> for, for various reasons, you know, life they forget about it. You know, or you know, they 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 may change their mind. You know, so we try to try to keep those uh, repeat offenders from uh, keep bidding. <laughs> I mean, that's we understand you, like you, you try to trade. you try to block them, huh? Yeah, we we do. No, we actually reach out to them. Just make sure everything. Do you have problem checking out? We try to reach out first. You know, but, so and then then when they're uh, silent, then that's when you block them. <laughs> We do block. We do make block. Yeah. Um, all right, man. So uh, this is a very trendy hobby in terms of corals and 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 um, you know things like that, equipment used and stuff. But um, what's what's like the hottest corals right now that you guys are uh, selling? What are you getting a big demand for these days? Always SPS. Always acros. Which That's ones, man? You got uh, any any uh, old oh, school uh, oh. in demand? Probably not. Are you talking about my favorites or what? Uh, let's let's do box. let's do customer favorites and then your favorites. Um, so I think for a while Rainbow Tanius, you know, yeah. were king. But I think I see a trend people getting a little bit tired seeing because they're all the same at the end of the day. It's 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 hard to see the difference. Um, they're beautiful. Though. Don't don't get me wrong. I love Tanius, but I think there's a trend. There's a there's a Trend towards the smooth skin acros right mm. now. I think smooth skin acros are picking up steam, just because they were um, they're so unique. They're so unique. Um, we just recently put up a hung rainbow on on the, on our website. It just poof gone within like on auction. It was someone just bought it right out. They don't even wait till bit for it. You know. That's a classic. Yeah, that's a classic too. Um, some of the the the. the, the the splice, the rainbow splice, is also very popular. You guys uh, are growing that up. We're growing that out, yeah. What's the deal yeah. with that with you guys? I mean, are you finding like green frags or sprouting, uh, you know, pink coralites eventually, or what do you? What's your experience in terms of the I rainbow splice? I have not seen it yet. I, 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 you would have to put the pink next to it for them to fuse from the crap. But you know, never know. I have not seen uh, uh, all green uh, splice just also sprout out pink. Uh, yeah, so, Kenny, don't knows? Kenny, don't tell me that, man, because I just picked up a, a green splice uh, frag, and I'm keeping my fingers crossed. <laughs> hey, like a lot of time times, I gotta tell uh, tell tell people is uh, never never write off, never cross off a coral as a frag because they would do amazing things as a colony. Yeah, you, you never know? you never know, right? I mean, I've I've seen people uh, have experiences with that. The green does start uh, developing pink but um you just never know and and you know the other thing about acros is like you know you can practically kill them and then all of a sudden they'll just like come back to life they're just so resilient yeah when they start to grow from a single polyp the crust and you know that's a good problem to have though um another one that we saw a lot was uh, interestingly what we call a goofy homewrecker i've heard of that yeah oh yeah i, I think i saw it on your site what, what is a goofy homewrecker it's good for it because um, um, I it's one of those situations where I originally bought a colony to grow, but I think the, I was told it was a homewrecker, but it was not. It looked like it, but it was not. And um, 
And then we looked at it. The more we looked at it, the more we looked at it. And then I, I even texted Jason. Jason, does this look like homework to you? He's like, um, he's like, as long as you see the the the, the pink pink hole light, then it's not a homework, right? And then one of our guys said, oh, it looks so goofy. This is a goofy homework. So <laughs> the name stuck. Yeah, but it's crazy though. It's 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 when it's happy, it gets really like hot pink, almost like it has hot pink as the vivid uh, insanity, the, the the insanity, super super expensive coral. It gets really, really hot pink. It's a beautiful coral. And then it's goofy also because it looks different in different tanks. It can look like pale with like blue polyps. And and in one tank, and it's just all pink, hot pink. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, your favorite uh, SPS, what, what do you what do you dig? It changes. Um, but right now, is this tenuous that we call it the other world? It's just... Uh, it's a tenuous with, 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 with like, it's a like yellow tenuous with, with orange polyps. Hmm. It's just a combination that I have not seen before. Um, I think if you go on our website, you can see under collection, I call it the outer world. And I'm just starting to spread out the frags for, for different people to grow out right now. Um, yeah, it's just a crazy coral. It just, the, the color pattern is just different. Never seen anything like that. You're uh, you're also into classic SPS. What are some of your favorites besides the uh, Oregon Oregon Blue Tort? Pink lemonade. Pink lemonade. I'm on the hunt for it right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, just the yellow beige with the pink polyps. Just you know, you can't find anything like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oregon Tort, obviously one of them. Um, but Oregon Tort these days, back in the day, it used to be known as the coral that that was a slow growing corals. But to, to, you know, right now I don't know maybe the technology or something in the spectrum, but it's, it grows a lot faster than it used to in, in the old days. Um, yeah, I, I have um, the one that I'm, I'm I got my big colony in the um, in my established 187 gallon display tank is growing like a weed for me. But I, I also had a um, a tyree purple monster next to it, and you know back when I was living in Connecticut years and years ago, that tyree purple monster just like grew crazy for me. But now it's yeah. just like it's really really going slow, and it's just. Um, Frustrating, but you have to find out what that what what when he, when it was growing so fast. You have to try to remember what was the 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 the, the way it was you know the flow pattern. Like I I, I feel like because corals are, are more sensitive than you think than you give them credit for. Like they can literally sense where the hit the lights hitting them, where the flow hitting them. Like you could have the same core same colony cut into two, and you put them next to each other, and they will grow differently. One will grow faster or in a certain shape. The other one will grow differently. Just, just that, that they literally in, an inch next to each other, and they will grow differently. So, I think they are very sensitive to the environment be, beyond what we take for granted, like lighting, flow, maybe just the frequency of a chromis try to sleep among it uh, will, will will cause it to grow a certain way because it's you know causing more more fanning on the polyp or peeing near it, providing more nitrate. Like these things, I, I realized, you know, or, or you know, you put it on a or put it whether or not it's on a uh, mounted on a stake versus on a on a tile. Where yeah. a tile you think getting hit with water from above, but then there's you get that means you, there's less possibility of like nutrient or whatnot that's flowing underneath it. Where you're on a branch, you're getting hit from all directions. You get a lot more uh, uh, get get hit with a lot more um, you know nutrient or get washed away your your waste washed away more frequently. These little things that I think make play, play a big part on the way they grow. Um, yeah, there's a lot of variables in play. Um, what what SPS do you guys not have that you want? Do you have like a hit list? Anything out there that uh, you don't have? 
I just got um I just traded for uh, Angry Bird. Mm. I growing. I just got the um that's balls one of the one I wanted wanted to get. Um which one I want? Mm. There's so many out there now. I mean, yeah. There's so many out there, but I, I, I want to see something that's been proven, you know, that's growing. Like some of the speciosas, you know, like uh, those are very, very beautiful, but um, I haven't seen evidence of somebody growing into a big colony. Um, so that leads me to think that maybe it takes time, maybe a different type of uh, requirement that that coral needs that we are not aware of. Um, but, you know, something that, that can grow, maybe something, maybe purple monster, something that Gives us gives us some challenge. Like we can't grow, then we want to try it out, you know. Because the last time I grew a purple monster was ten years ago. No purple monster so, right now. No purple monster right now. It's a hard piece to find. I get people hawking me all the time for fragging the purple monsters. Like, hey, I, I was like, I don't have a fraggable. I don't have anything I can frag right now. <laughs> Check back in a year. <laughs> the problem with purple monster, I think, that contributes to a slow growth also, because of slow growth and rarity. People are only able to render small frags, and with small frags, they grow a lot slower than if you have a chunky frag, especially yeah. with smooth skin. Yeah. Like if you count the polyps, number of polyps on a milli, at the same size as a number of polyps on a on a purple monster, you probably end up with two polyps on a purple monster, right. half inch. Whereas you on a on a on a on a milli, you're gonna have like at least fifty polyps on the same size. So the ability for the coral to capture prey to to consume you know, nutrient in the water is a lot greater with the milli versus the purple monster. So I think, you know, if you get if you get a monster with a with a certain size, with a big chunk, it will grow faster. But if you could get a small frag, oh, forget it. That's those two pot baby pods will take forever to capture prey or to, to consume to eat whatever nutrient you give it. That's a good point, grow. man. I never uh, I never thought yeah. of about like, like like that. You know, there's just uh, you know they have the white polyps, but they're not uh, there's not many of them. They're not big, yeah. So they're not, they're not like, they're not good hunters like the milieu is, you know. Poor Wolf is saying that I should talk you into uh, picking up a fairy food frag. That's I, I think that's the uh, right, the million dollar uh, coral from Battle Corals. I'm looking for, I'm looking for investors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's what fairy food is. The uh, the one that's uh, the, the the mythical frag that uh, Adam at Battle Corals has. Yeah, Battle Corals. Yes, they have that. It's like a. It was like a joke, but then they kept it on. Yeah. Um, one last uh, question for you, Kenny, that, um, you know, um, a month or two ago, I did a video in terms of kind of like how I've evolved as a reef, as a, as a reef keeper in terms of kind of changing some of the methods. You know, I'd, I'd been very, very much an old school reef keeper and I hadn't really changed much like the first, um, you know, 15, 20 years keeping the reef tanks, but I don't know, lately the last five years or so, I've made some changes. Have, have you done any, um, made any changes to the way you keep uh, tender reef tanks uh, these days, the last few years versus when you first got into it? Mm, very little. Um, I, I'm, I think I, I tend to do what works, and if it works, I don't touch it, right? But I'm also very um, stubborn. Uh, I'm very reluctant to change, I think most SPS keep uh, hobbyists are like this because we all understand that it needs stability. It needs a once something hits its stride, you don't want to change, and it's it's totally reasonable. 
Um, but you know, things are always improving. Things are, you know, easier way to do things are always coming out, and I'm open to those things. You know, um, and um, you know, that's that's. I I, I think. Um, I think more more about how to run how to how to run a business and keep retail at the same time. That changed me, mm. the ability to let go of control, uh, because you know everybody. I think it's one of the challenges too is is that you you want to control how how all the tanks are run, but it's just impossible, right? And the ability to let go and trust in your staff, trust in trust in your 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 your, your to um to just take care of your tanks for you and just do that. They all bring in their own expertise. They all bring in their own experience, and I have learned a lot from them. And and um, I think that has that. I mean, years ago I wouldn't have, you know, I would have dictated how things were run, you know, every single details. Uh, it would drive you crazy. Um, so by 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 allowing them to to take care of some of these tanks is is that is I learned a lot from them. You know, you know, sometimes two parts. Uh, you know, works better in this instance where calcium reactors are over, you know, it's, 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 it's overdone. Um, so, but um, as, as a reef keeper, um, I think I'm, I'm always open to trying things that work. I, not to say shiny new things, but I want to know that they, as long as they work and they work well in my, in my situation, and I would love to try it, you know. Uh, so is 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 it? It's, it, yeah, so that's that's pretty much. Yeah, yeah it's 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 it can get complicated, right? Because there's just so many different ways to run a reef tank, and a lot of different people have success with different methods. So it's um, yeah, you, know. you know, you know, it's a funny thing too. Uh, they they talk about your your personality, like by having different uh, different people uh, take care of different tanks in the store, the personality of the reef tank reflect the personality of the person hmm. that takes Interesting. care. Interesting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, for example, um, I love to feed, and then my business partner will. He doesn't like to feed. He likes to keep it clean, and you can see the the like my tank is full of algae. <laughs> you know, with all the tanks, it's just algae, you know a lot of algae, but his tank is clean. You know, his tank because it doesn't feed as much as me. Um, so, and then his his wiring is, is is better than mine. My wiring is a mess. My wiring sucks so I, too. Yeah, I learned my wiring from 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 working with him, and so like there's a lot of like trading of knowledge you know when, when you when you decide to let go of control and and that 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 that's that's what's changed yeah cool so uh all right dude listen i think uh i think we're gonna wrap it up any uh, any final words uh before we uh, sign off um test your water test 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 uh, running a reef tank without testing is like driving a car with your windshield blocked <laughs> You know, you go in some place, you go in places, but sooner or later you're going to crash. So always test your water. Yeah. Sound advice for sure. And um, yeah. Kenny, where um, where can folks um, find you besides uh, online at uh, piecesoftheocean.com? I mean, you're uh, you're in Staten Island, right? You got a retail store in Staten Island. And what else do you uh, yeah, want to plug? Sub on Google, you can find us, pieces of, ocean, pieces, pieces of the ocean. Uh, we're on Instagram. Um, hashtag pieces of the ocean we're on Facebook pieces of the ocean or you can uh, hit me up on Facebook as well um, I am pretty active in the uh, SPS groups in the photography groups you can find me posting there uh, so yeah I mean love for you two guys to come visit our store I think our store is uh, has wide selection of co like since we don't even sell fish now we 
focus more on coral so you can you can imagine the 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 amount of uh, not just the amount of coral the quality coral that you know that you're gonna see in in this area of the country um, and we're pretty proud of that we take a lot of pride in that we put a lot of work hard work into you know growing some of the best corals we can possibly grow. Uh, so we would love for you guys to come see us and uh, see us in rap too. We're from Louisa, New York, uh, New Jersey. I'm going to see you there, man. All right. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Well, listen, uh, I want to just uh, give, uh, say thank you very much, Kenny, for uh, appearing on the live stream again. It was a great conversation. And I also want to thank Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for being a sponsor and supporting the show and also for all you folks uh, tuning in, especially the uh, the Super Chats. Thank you um, so much. And also a big thank you to the moderator, Paul. Great bearded reef. Awesome job again, Paul. I also want to let everybody know that all episodes of Rapping with Reef Bum are now available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. My next live stream mm. is next Thursday, May 12th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Josh Saul from Manhattan Reefs. So we'll uh, be talking Manhattan Reefs next week. Oh, John. Yep. Yes. And uh, should be another great show. The full upcoming schedule of guests is on reefbum.com under the YouTube section. So until next time, be safe and be well, and we will see you later. <laughs>